Hi, this is Liel. As you may know, sometimes the language in this podcast gets a little bit, shall we say, schmutzy. <laughs> and so this is your obscenity warning. Hide your kids. Hide your parents. Hide anyone who cannot handle very raunchy words. Oh, yeah, that's because we chiseled your septum at the bottom. And that, like, is connected to your teeth. Like, that, the nerves are right there. That's amazing. Have you told us about your dog's, like, leaking stomach. And my freaking septum is too much for you. It's so anti-Semitic. <laughs> Hello, J. Crew. This is Unorthodox, the world's leading Jewish podcast, according to the National Weather Service. That's who certified us, I decided. I am your host, Mark Oppenheimer, joined this week by Tablet Senior Writer Liel Leibowitz. Shalom. And Tablet Deputy Editor, back in the air chair, Stephanie Butnick. I'm back. The air chair sounds like something I was in under surgery when I went under. <laughs> Listen to how you sound, though. Sound, so crisp. I'm, so. I'm, ba- I'm not 100%, but I'm like, I'm back. Our Jew of the Week is legendary feminist and Zionist Phyllis Chesler. Our Gentile of the Week is New York Magazine editor Noreen Malone, who is also a star of the fabulous Double X Gab Fest, a women's issues podcast that men are permitted to listen to and, and do. For like, now. Like me. Yeah. So, Stefania. Yes. Back she returns. From, back from surgery. The whole country. This was like who shot JR. Yeah. All on tenter. I think ho- I know what that means. Tenter hooks. I, so I, okay, let me set the scene for you. My sister and I go, my sister comes with me. She's like my guardian for the day. She was amazing. Franny. Shout out Franny, to yeah. Fanny. She was gr- incredible. Love and you. so we go there and I'm, I get my pre-op and I'm like being a little weird because it's like, you, I got my, I get my outfit. It's like a, it's like a, a, a smock and then these like kind of scrub pants and then a jet, like a, and what color? a seersucker work, like work jacket essentially. And really? so I'm just like, I look sharp. Ooh. The nurse who's checking me and gives me this like aromatherapy patch to put on my, sh- my shirt because it's, it smells like lavender. And this is like one of those maternity uh, hotels in Jerusalem yeah. we've we've written about. But so I'm sitting there and then the doctor walks in for his like pre-op exam. And so I don't know if you guys remember, this was like a whole two episodes ago. I don't know if you guys remember what the you said. The great Dr. Prasad. But we, we talked about Dr. Prasad and you said, is he Jewish? And I was like, no. And you're like, it's okay. Prasad's the new Cohen, whatever. And so I just like laughed in my head about that and went in. So, I, so I'm sitting there ready for ready for surgery and he comes in to do his early check-in and he walks in and he's like, I hear Prasad's the new Cohen. <laughs> he's like, are you sure you don't mind having a Gentile perform your surgery? And I'm just like, what? Because I like haven't had caffeine, I haven't eaten. And I'm just like, is this happening? Did someone, and he's like, like several people sent me the podcast. And so I'm like, oh, of my. course. It didn't even occur to me that that would happen. But of course, one of you knows Dr. Prasad, you lucky person who, who is Prasad. friends with him. And then, I mean, it was hilarious. So he so, puts you under. And you felt probably Oh, I don't know very, anything after that. After very that. comfortable with, with that. Oh, well, I was like, yeah, you're definitely about to operate on my face. And you heard us talking about whether or not you were a Gentile. Yeah, because the last, the last thing you want a person who's about to put you under with one of those masks to say is, are you sure you're comfortable having a Gentile do this? <laughs> I have to say, so they didn't do the mask, which I thought, like, I guess they only do that in movies. I don't know. I had an IV in my hand and they just like, they were like, you're going to feel light. And, then, and I just woke right. up. I woke up and I was like, hey. And they're like, you're done. And you're like, is Donald Trump still I know, president? I, Dr. Prasad was like, there were no Jews in this room, just Gentiles. And I'm just like, oh no. Did he really say that? Yeah, he was like, one more. He's yeah. hilarious. And, then, and I just what started like waving. I just like waved my arm to everyone and I was like on the way out as they wheeled me out. And someone in the hallway was like, that's a good sign. Waving, <laughs> waving as she leaves. It was, the, it was the queenly wave. So I put a call out on Facebook for what I should watch over the weekend. And I think there were like 50,000 responses Amazing, of like different yeah. series. And I had to write in being like, guys, I have like a few days. I'm not going <laughs> to watch all of this and also i was like sleeping most of it but i finally watched wonder woman and it is 
amazing. It's pretty good. No, it is so much better than <laughs> yeah, I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very good movie. Funny. It is sharp. It is quick. Like the dialogue is hilarious. She's amazing. The parts of the dialogue you understand. The are accent. Very funny. I almost thought you were like messing around nope. with the accent thing. And you like how everyone on the <laughs> island has to have an Israeli oh, accent. It's ridiculous. To her. <laughs> it's amazing. Robin Wright has an Israeli accent. <laughs> uh, Diana. Okay, so forget Wonder Woman. We're over that. There is a new show that is going to just like be our official show of of the show. Um, it's Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino of Gilmore Girls and Bunhead's Fame are back with a show. <laughs> Have I lost you already? Of Bunhead's Fame. <laughs> oh, right. The people who made they Bunheads. They are back and they have a new show, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and it is streaming on Amazon as of this, as of airtime. It is so funny. It's about this like 1950s house, Jew- upper West Side Jewish housewife who basically becomes a stand-up comic. And there's like strains of Joan Rivers, Phyllis Diller, like, but she's amazing. And she's played by Rachel Brosnahan, who played Rachel Posner in House of Cards, who's not Jewish, who just does like this. She gets Wait. everything down, the affect, the mannerism. She's going to be the the the, the Catherine Hahn of yeah, she's the, the, yeah. the, the Gentile who plays a Jew I, better than the we do. The show is so funny. Tony Shalhoub is her dad. Like it's, her husband is <laughs> Are there any Michael Jews Zegan. in it? It has that quick like that witty Gilmore Girls fast-paced talking, which I love and, you know, try Sid to emulate. and I are going to watch it tonight. Um, a little, shall we do some News of the Jews? I, I mean, Mrs. Maisel is News of the Jews. Stephanie's my clear, si- clear nasal passages are News of the Jews. Mrs. Maisel, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Stephanie's no- is nose of the Jews. <laughs> nose, ooh, well done, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, a few quick hits. Um, I'm just going to encourage you guys to go read up on this one. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but there's this story uh, that you can Google and find about how a, a Chabad community in Sharon, Massachusetts, has taken over a conservative synagogue. They basically, in, according to a lawsuit, they they joined the synagogue, infiltrated the board, and then once they had control of the board, um, voted to turn over all the synagogue's assets to the local Chabad. If this is true, this is like um, this is like the Breitbart undercover stings against Acorn. It's like he's going deep. The Chabad was playing the long con. Uh, it it's might very, not, very Godfather. Like. Yeah, it might not be true. Come to me and my daughter Shiva Brachas. <laughs> you don't call me Rabbi Godfather. If it's true, holy cow, that is some nefarious. I like that their plan was like, sheet. you know what? We we want to get some more money and influence. Right. You know what? We should infiltrate a conservative, a conservative. synagogue, the bastion of just like money and, and gate. Like, well, what, what? it probably has a building and fourteen members. The so same. it's like if you could put exactly in, right. if you could in nine members, you can take over, and the building's worth something. And in the I great like, words of the Talmud, don't don't hate the player, hate the game. I like. I hope that they sort of like were in the meeting, and then all of a sudden, like. Took off their like just like cha- like rip something <laughs> off and we're like Scooby Doo. No, I'm actually Hamad. Well, the best part is there was a there was a, a woman on the board probably who had a, a wig Scooby-Doo, over her wig. It. Right, she had like secular hair. She took it off. Then there's her shade all that right Please, over her. You lost me at woman on the board. Right. So, um, speaking of the long con, uh, Israel's minister of absorption Yitzchak Peretz is now concerned that a third of the immigrants from Russia to Israel are not halakhically Jewish. He thinks the law of return should be changed. He thinks this is a big con getting good into Israel. Those those terrible people who then infiltrate Israel and then like con us by like serving, serving in, the, in army. the army and like <laughs> right. dying for the country and like paying taxes. Can you believe the nerve on some people? I'm just confused because I thought the minister of absorption was Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of... No, he's the minister of self-absorption. <laughs> speaking Self-conceited of, asshole. Speaking of infiltrators, a German Jewess may soon be the new Miss Germany. Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, Tamar Morali, uh, who was born in Karlsruhe and grew up in Vienna, now studies in Herzliya. She's only one of 20 finalists in the Miss Germany contest. So it's not like she's about to be crowned 
Frau Deutschland or whatever they call it. But <laughs> this is the best but, story but ever. this story. So of course it's like I forget which of you nefarious. Dick Wads found another beauty pageant story since nothing bothers me more than beauty pageants. Oh, but come on. You've but... got to love a Jewish woman at the Miss Germany thing. Our next contestant enjoys staying alive <laughs> as long as she can. Please welcome Tamar Morali. Literally, the world is so bad that all we have is um, like pageant diplomacy. Pageant diplomacy. All these include scavenging for some bread <laughs> and avoiding the line. The best, the best part is in so horrible in true beauty pageant contested style, right? Her Here her, she quote, comes, her quotation, Mr. Oh God. Her quotation to the uh, to the news newspaper. Uh, I see my candidacy not only as a personal achievement, but as an achievement for the state of Israel and for the Jewish people in the diaspora. That in Germany, a country with a very complex history with regard to the Jewish people, there is a Jewish contestant for the title. A very complex. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, we're the euphemism we're now using for the history of Jews in Germany is it's a very complex history. <laughs> Apparently, it's all uh, insipid, vapid beauty pageant week because a Lebanese newspaper has named Gal Gadot as a Mossad agent. Liel, do you want to fill us in on as our Gal Gadot's correspondent? So there, there are two layers to this amazing story. Yeah. Uh, there are three layers to this amazing story. So many layers. The first layer is that on Friday, the Lebanese government arrested a Lebanese actor uh, suspected of spying for Israel based on... Absolutely no evidence, of course. Then on Monday morning, they publish a picture of the Mossad agent whose name was Claire Villanfi, uh, um, who they uh, who they said was this uh, actor's uh, kind of operator and contact. And if you know anything, you know that this is a publicity shot of Gal Gadot from Fast and Furious 5, 7, 8, whatever the last Fast and Furious was. And you look at it as like, don't they know this is like probably the most famous actress in the world? And literally two hours later, the editor of the paper, one of the paper's executives, issued an apology and said, I'm really sorry. But since, you know, Wonder Woman and all of Gal Gadot's movies are banned from being screened in Lebanon because she's Israeli, I actually had no idea who she was and therefore believed she was clear. You kind of feel sorry for that guy. What I think happened is that there's a picture of the, isn't there a picture of the operator who is like an Israeli woman, and then they they like matched it to Gal Gadot without realizing who she well, was. There's a picture of an Israeli looking woman. Yeah, that, that Wait, there was do they all an look, operator. Do they all look like Gal Gadot? That any, uh, of course. <laughs> I look like Gal Gadot. A country of Gal. <laughs> even the men look like Gal Gadot. <laughs> um, yeah, that there even was a Mossad agent is obviously you know a highly dubious proposition. But someone downloaded from you know Instagram. So like, I, this, she reminds me yeah. of someone. See, do you know the way I think this went down? Is there were a couple guys in the office who knew exactly who it was. They knew it was Gal Gadot, but they can't raise their hands and be like, "Guys, that's Gal Gadot," because they'll get shot for having right. known who Gal Gadot was. So it's like everyone's sitting around I like, "Do, totally we, do, do not, you want to tell him? <laughs> do you want to tell him?" I that's totally Gal Gadot? do not masturbate to this Zionist <laughs> conqueror. I'd never do this at home. Prince Harry, fifth in line to the throne. And we know which throne that. I don't have to say which throne. It's the throne. The Iron Throne. Um, has, um, he's, uh, he's been caught. He's been, he's been reeled in. Why do you make it sound so nefarious? Because I hate the royal family. I, it's, this isn't about what? marriage. This is it's not about women. Have, guys. I hate the royal family so guys, much. Guys, we need this. Anyway, this brings so much no, joy don't. to all of us. No, who we just don't. can we... watch. There are zero stakes. I will say. Because these people have no actual power. Among the worst humans. Yeah. We, guys, who cares? Stephanie. Just let me watch a royal wedding. And, you, and I need to just escape. You know that country that this our ancestors. This is where you have the bachelorette. You know that country that our ancestors came to to escape po- 
pogroms. The one, it's called America. It fought before we got it's here. It's called America. Before any of us got here, a war was fought so as not to worship people with crowns. And oh, that's these were the, the bad guys in Hamilton. That's the beauty <laughs> of it because we don't have to worship these people. We can just enjoy them from afar. Like I don't have to submit to any sort of like. I, guys, I just like it. By the way, I'm every sorry. Every few years, give us a royal wedding. We'll when, all get up really early to if, watch it. If these two ever break up, does so Harry, Harry get to, to do the song from Hamilton? You'll be back. No, so Harry is like a staple now. Engaged for? to Meghan Markle. Long story short, the Jewish press goes all a flutter and a twitter about this, uh, including Tablet and the Forward. We all have had stories saying. Is Meghan Markle Jewish? Because apparently there was a chair, there was a horror with a chair lift at her last yeah, as the wedding. The son calls it a chair, da- a Jewish chair, a dance Jewish chair at dance. Her first wedding. That's right. Um, so she, her, I guess her ex is, um, she's half black. It's unclear what the white half is. Her ex is Jewish. Oh, excuse me. And she has said that she has been cast in Sephardi roles. Mark, it's very clear what the other half is. The other half, her father, claimed to fame, lighting director. Unmarried with children. Was he really? Yep. I knew that was he a well lit show. Bundy look good. <laughs> I knew that was Markle's work. Okay, so basically <laughs> everyone sort of was like, oh, she had a Jewish wedding. She must be Jewish. And, and people just ran with it. And so yesterday there were like the beginnings of people being like, she's a Jewish royal. And we're like, first wait of all, a second. <laughs> let's all take a step back. I did some internet scouring. I think it's called reporting. I don't know. There's no actual evidence None. she's Jewish beyond the Zero. fact that she married. A Jewish guy from Great Neck. What up? Basically means she's not and, Jewish. And they like did did the the horror at their wedding, which the the, the UK paper The Sun can, calls a Jewish chair dance. Um, Jewish chair dance sounds like the greatest like eighties electronic like we could dance if we want to. We could lift this chair around because a chair don't dance and if it don't dance. So we I, we need to just like, shut it Esther's down. Crown. But I have to say like the idea that this idea first of all it's super exciting. She's American. She's divorced. This is like it's she's it black. There's there's oh there's actual God. like she has substance and depth and and it's really really great right. you know who doesn't have substance or death the fucking now royal they will. family right. okay, why right. does she want to spend the rest of why her life not working in a you know she's bowl. going to now live in a place seriously called nottingham cottage okay guys and unless the, you have a bow and arrow point. you should not live in any place called nottingham cottage I just a serious wanna, adult does not belong you're, there. <laughs> you're missing the point i think it's just sort of fa- fascinating that like we really wanted to claim her there was this glimmer of hope that she was jewish and everyone just went for it because we love nothing. Like, we wanted her to be Jewish. Who's and this I, we, Stephanie Butnick? This is like the Jewish internet. I want I her to you be on Twitter yesterday. related to Jewish. Yeah. Okay, well, you guys are crazy. Shonda. But I just think it's it's interesting because it says a lot about us, but like literally nothing about her because we were nothing. like, she, we, she might be. We're like, no, no, she's not, but we need her to be. Like, anyway, here's, this is us. Here's the thing. We can settle this once and for all between us and AJ Jacobs, right? I mean, if she's even a, a, a 30, not Jewish. If she's a 32nd Jewish, somebody in the J Crew, like, was at a bat mitzvah that she was at 20 years ago and you know and I don't think anyone was but let us know if you have any proof that Meghan Markle was Jewish just send it send it our way Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. 
This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. <laughs> Two helpful reminders for those of you who want to support the show. The first is uh, tax time is, uh, you know, you want to get those deductible donations in, go to tabletmag.com and click on the donate button and you can write a little note saying, we want this to go straight to Stephanie, Mark and Liel. And um, a chance to to give back to me, not money, just just love. Uh, Saturday, December second, this Saturday, I will be doing the uh, Muslim Jewish Storytelling Night, hosted by Congregation Kol Israel in Brooklyn, uh, six hundred three St. John's Place, Brooklyn, New York, and it's going to be on the subject of thanks of Toda. I will be telling a short story, a true life story, along with uh, about five other Muslims and Jews, and it's going to be really really fun. That's a beautiful synagogue. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful night. It's a beautiful soul. And we're going to have a lot of fun and, um, you know, do some shots afterwards. And so uh, please come out. Congregation Call Israel this Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. All right, everyone. Our Gentile of the week is Noreen Malone. She's the features editor of New York Magazine and a regular on Slate's Double X Gab Fest. Noreen, thank you for being with us. Hi, thanks for having me. So how did you get to be a regular on the Double X Gab Fest? You know, I worked at Slate in my first job out of college, and um, Hannah Rosen and Jess Gross uh, were the founding editors of Double X, which used to be a separate site, and I did some work with them then, and a few years later, they'd started the podcast, and someone dropped out, and they just asked me to come on, and I, I, they won't, I won't let them kick me out. I've been there ever since, so... Because now you don't actually work for Slate anymore. No, I work for New York, but but yeah, I'm, still do. Was that podcast. part of the negotiation when New York came and said, look, <laughs> we're going to double your salary and you're going to be in print on glossy magazines? And you're like, that's fine, but I, I get to still be on Slate's double X. It was, right? Well, I did actually. Yeah, I did yeah. say I do this podcast. I really love doing it. I want to keep doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no salary doubling, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so, Noreen, you're from Shaker Heights. I am from Shaker Heights. Which to me is like the most magical place in the world. I've never been. I've <laughs> always just like wanted to go. It's the lost go. Eden <laughs> yeah. of American childhood. Yeah, because it's Jewish, but it's Midwestern. Yeah, it it's has like, like yeah. baseball, apple pie, and... Latkes. Latkes, yeah. yeah. That sort of is my childhood. Uh, I will say that when I was growing up... Shaker's not an entirely Jewish, but I grew up in the part of Shaker that... Um, is probably more Catholics and Jews than the rest of it. And um, all the Catholic kids, except for my family, not entirely, but many of the Catholic kids went to Catholic school and I went to public school. And so I really thought when I was growing up that I was part of this weird sect and the, like, the world's <laughs> most major religion was Judaism. And until about fifth grade, I, I sort of started to realize that wasn't true. Well, that's, how, like, that's what it was like for me. I grew up on Long Island and I thought Jews were like the majority of people everywhere. <laughs> and I was in like for a rude so, awakening when I got to college. I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, where I thought they were all named Noreen Malone. I mean, and but did you go to CCD on Wednesdays? Uh, we called it PSR, and it was on Sundays. It was on Sundays. Yeah, so, yeah. so my our public school bus did a special. If you took the public school bus Wednesdays, the Catholic kids got special drop offs oh, at funny. CCD, which is catechism. <laughs> yeah. But they called it Central City Dump. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I remember there was like the Catholic girl and she went to CCD. The CCD. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so girl. crazy to me the way like the the way these pockets you can grow up in. In the back of the I have to say, alone. honestly, the worst thing I'm I will let you talk, but I have to just confess this. The worst thing I ever did was in fifth or like second or third grade, 
I think I have this memory of organizing a group of people to like sing Hebrew songs around like the Christian girl in our elementary school. <laughs> you like danced around in a circle. We and were like saying her like yes. Can I say and I, I like kind of like that? <laughs> and, and of course, of course. The irony, like obviously, I should apologize to her. She actually was half Jewish. Of course, of course. She <laughs> and was. I'm just like I was a monster. Before we get to meaningful things like yeah. your work and and your politics, um, the the 70s, 80s. When were you born? Uh, the 80, 1984. Okay. That was the tail end of the Eans, right? The Colleen's, Noreen's, <laughs> Maureen's, right? Because, yeah. I mean, again, growing up when I did, the, that was a thing. But now, if you, like, if you have kids and want to do an Irish thing with them, they're going to be like Maeve or they're going to be old, old, old school, right? Well, I think like Gaelic's a thing now, right? right? Okay. So I have- I, I was looking for yeah. a female Gaelic. Like, yeah. What, what is the- Well, I have a niece named Orla. That's- There we Orla, Orla, Orla. Orla. Oh, wow. <laughs> she. Shirshi, Ronan, <laughs> yeah. Malone. Shirsha, yeah. Ashling, all those things. But yes, my name is actually, I think my name's actually a little bit out of time I'm like the only other Noreen's are like ancient sort of oh okay like there's a nun in Indiana there's an old woman who owns like a bed and breakfast by the way that, that sounds like a, a Bob Dylan lyric there's a nun in Indiana named Noreen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's some late night googling. You're like other Noreen's <laughs> sister Noreen well, in, of think, the the Carmelite sisters <laughs> in Bloomington. I think yeah. that's the other Noreen Malone. I'm, I'm, there are other Noreen's. They are mostly <laughs> over the age of fifty, but but not entirely. You know, we're gonna get letters from like Noreen Berkowitz <laughs> from California, being like, I have seven friends. Yeah, well, well Noreen is also actually. Um, a Muslim name frequently. So yes. a lot of times I will mm-hmm. get in like a car, an Uber or Lyft and, and the guy will be like, Assalamu alaikum, sure, sister. Like, are you sure you're Noreen? <laughs> and he'll be if a little you move to Israel, it's an easy switch to Noreet. It's like yeah. one, yeah. you're one constant away. <laughs> yeah. So do your siblings have good names too? Uh, they do. They have great names. Uh, do you want me to? Yeah, yeah I want yes. another name. Bring it. Say hello to all of them. <laughs> uh, Sean, Andrew, Mora, Ellen, and Claire. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a lot of siblings. That's a lot of, right? a lot of siblings. Wait, where are you five? on the? I'm on a six. Where are you on, on the on the rank? I'm the fifth. You're the okay. fifth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, who are your favorite and who are your least favorite? They're all my favorites. Oh, I have to say on. that. I have to say that. You're yeah. like from a podcasting <laughs> family because your sister Claire is on the Five Thirty Eight Politics Podcast. Yes, she is. I didn't know that. Yeah, Claire is a, is a political journalist for Five Thirty Eight. Are there other podcasting like no legacy mo- families? <laughs> like, yeah, like. <laughs> there was one week when like the podcasting Malones dominated my feed right after like you did that you guys did the double X Gabfest episode about uh, like sexual harassment and um, had Frank Foer from the New Republic on and your sister like sort of led this episode of 538 politics podcast that was all about sexual harassment in politics and I was like. They're doing it. The Malones. Like, they are like single handedly cheerful addressing this. In the Malone household. Yes. The Malones of Shaker Heights. So you in July 2015, you did a cover story about Bill Cosby and it featured, I think, 35 of his accusers. Um, you won a Polk Award for it. You won other various awards. What was that like? You really, for the first time, I think, gave a spotlight and you know put faces to this 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 epidemic, and I think I think in a lot of ways set the stage for what would be to come and what what we were sort of in the in the throes of right now. What was it like to pitch that story and to to, to work on it? Well, I actually didn't pitch the story. Um, interestingly, the story came from. Um, our photo department. Um, we have a photo director, Jody Kwan, who's you know a brilliant journalist in addition to her artistic sense. And she had been reading the news about this and was like, how can we do a photo treatment of all the Cosby accusers? And she had um, pulled all this visual research on them. And she really was the one who made it happen. And then I sort of got involved from a reporting point of view. Um, but yeah, it, it originated, I mean, the cover 
uh, the cover of New York Magazine had all of the women lined up. They were sitting in chairs, sort of staring um, out. And the power, I think, so much of the power of that story actually came from that image. Um, that's what people really connected with, just the sheer force of how many women were accusing. And and that's what Jody saw from sort of the beginning. And then um, I got involved and, and called all the women, and it sort of, the story snowballed into something a little bit more textual than we'd originally conceived of it. But it was actually a photo project from the beginning. And they were, they were what was the response like? Were most of them... You know. They were very eager to talk. Um, so all of the women, not all of them, but, but we contacted women who had already gone public. That was what was interesting about the story is like people had gone public, but they just weren't really being taken seriously. They were sort of being treated in this tabloidy right. way. And um, so our move was to sort of gather them in one place and really take their story seriously and and um, and talk to them in depth about their experience. But yeah, they were they were thrilled to talk. They had been bottling it up for however many years and by that point had already, for the most part, made the decision to come forward. I think something you say, like this is the first time they were being taken seriously because mm-hmm. it is really frustrating to read that account and they had all, it was like 2005, they were there was a case against him. Um, do you think that led to other women feeling comfortable, like feeling this sense that publications would take them seriously, their accusations would mean something in, in other cases? I hope so. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of with that story is that um, the an advocacy organization that keeps track of calls to certain hotlines about um, you know rape and sexual assault accusations pinpointed like a Cosby effect that that people had begun um, not famous people, whatever, just just women had begun calling that hotline in greater numbers after that story to say this happened to me X number of years ago and I want to talk about it now. Um, and then, obviously, a couple of years later, things are very different. Um, but I think now the, the 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 default position is that you do believe women, um, and that can that can have its own complications, as we saw yesterday. I don't know if you guys followed this Project Veritas story in the Washington Post, where someone from James O'Keefe's organization came and pretended to be a woman accusing Roy Moore of something, and and sort of trying to play on the liberal idea that you know you believe women no matter what. And the Washington Post, you know, did a great job, and and they checked it out. They you know they checked out the journalism and saw that it was wrong. But um, yeah, I think like even in just two short years, the position has flipped to where. Um, women who come forward are taken extremely seriously and that's a wonderful thing. But this was supposed to happen after the Anita Hill hearing. Like why why now? Why and are you convinced it's here to stay? I don't know about here to stay. I, I a lot of people are very worried about a backlash already and I can see a little bit of that. I mean I think you know, the the sort of boring answer to everything that is really true is that technology has changed everything, right? Um, like, people can talk to each other. These women have access to, like, the, the, um, the sort of ways that powerful men, frankly, used to be able to control the media um, has dissipated a little bit. If you just look at the way that someone like Harvey Weinstein kept things out of papers for years and years, you can't really do that in quite the same any- same way anymore. The traditional power structures have been upended largely through technology. I also think that um, there's kind of a generational shift in the way that all this stuff is understood and um, that for women younger than I, they just have a totally different way of understanding uh, sexual power dynamics, particularly around rape and assault. So you came with a question for us. I did. I did. You were like, I'm not in Shaker Heights anymore. I have to, I'm I'm like not on the Upper West Side. Right. (laughs) Okay. My question for you, is it offensive if I, as a non-Jewish person, use the term Jap or describe someone as Jappy? 
So can, those are two different questions, right? Oh, okay. Right. Okay. And before we answer them, <laughs> do you ever do it? And this is a safe space, and we love you anyway. <laughs> safe space no broadcast to the internet. It's yeah. a safe space broadcast to the internet. Do you ever use either of those terms? I have in the past. But the reason I thought of it was I was at lunch with a couple of friends. Someone asked um, two of us who had met a woman to, to describe her and the two of us paused and looked at each other and neither of us was Jewish. <laughs> like I'm, you know, Irish Catholic, she's black. And we were like, and she said it, she was like, she's just kind of jappy. And I was like, she said it. I didn't See, like, I, and what did you mean by yeah, that? That's, that's what, so you, I didn't grow. I grew up knowing Jap only as a term used in jokes in the, tr- in the books, the, right. the book series, truly tasteless jokes, which you probably don't remember. Do you remember truly tasteless jokes? It was a little paperback series and there was, they were divided by sections like anti-black, black jokes, female <laughs> jokes. Like, and <laughs> one of them. <laughs> There's such an artifact of the 80s. Now there's just Twitter for that. And now exactly. just Twitter. But there was a section on Jap jokes. And it was uh-huh. like, you know, what do you call a Jap having, se- what do you call a Jap on a waterbed? Lake Placid. I think Jap and Jappy you- are totally different things. Okay. Tell, I think you're me. talking about Jappy. What did you mean As when an you adjective. Say- but what did you mean when you were thinking? Describe her. Oh, this is, <laughs> is going to be so terrible. Uh, you know, she seemed like she'd been like the, she had been the president of her sorority and like, uh, was very well off and worked in publicity, and she was she was really into rap music. I I don't know. There was juicy like a whole... sweats. Were there juicy sweats involved? Were there was there a lot of jewelry? No, there sure jewelry. Yeah. Um, see, she, she think... wasn't tacky. She definitely wasn't tacky. I think Jappy is actually a very useful adjective because sometimes there is no other word for it. Like, it's not Jewish. It has nothing to do with being Jewish in, in yeah. a lot of ways. But to me, Jappy is like a state of mind. I don't know. Like, I'm I think, okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I feel so... So what do you think, well, what Stephanie, if I described, is described? What if I described someone who wasn't Jewish as Jappy? See, that Which I, I think actually, is useful. I've done that before. It's useful. Because Jappy, I don't think, it actually says anything about a Jewish Like, are person. the real housewives of New Jersey Jappy? Or they're too low rent to be Jappy, right? Jappy women have better education. Too Italian to be. They're like. <laughs> I, I have to say. So again, grew up in the hills of Western Massachusetts. You know the the little league. <laughs> the little league was organized by Catholic parish. You know, you played for Our Lady of Sacred Heart. You played for Saint Mary's. Like I don't know from any of this, but. I do, and I'm, these guys can confirm, like, I'm, nothing offends me. Nothing mm-hmm. offends me. Just I don't the get, word Jap. Jewish humor doesn't offend me. Holocaust <laughs> likes, humor doesn't offend me. He's trying to bring back me. Jewess, which offends me. Uh, right. Oh. <laughs> nothing offends me. I mean, honestly, I, if someone leaned out a window and threw something at me and called me a kike, I'd be like, that's weird. Like, like I, I would just. kike is back. I'd be like, kike is back? I'd be like, time to, time to monetize that. I'll write a piece for Slate. Wait. But, but Jap offends me because it's. <laughs> Because it's misogynist, okay. because it comes out of a history of like Jewish men who didn't like their, who felt rejected by women or hated their moms. It's, it's, and by the way, I like Philip Roth. I don't blame him for any of this, but it comes out of. <laughs> I blame him for everything. Right. I mean, I yes. love his books. I don't think he's oh, inherently misogynist. I'm, I don't take offense at anything, I, but I don't like Jap and Jappy. That said, I actually am an outlier. I think you're pretty safe using it in that lunchtime situation. But I felt so much. I felt that I couldn't. And I don't. It's interesting. I don't think I would have felt that 10 years ago or, you know, 20 years ago. Don't put Jews at the avant garde (laughs) of the new hypersensitivity. Like, that ain't us. Like, we're used. We have thick skins. To me, I feel like. I mean, people are. I don't even know what people are going to write in and say because everyone does feel really strongly. I think defanging, like, Jappy. Like, Jappy to me is like a a girl. And and yes, it's misogynistic. But now when girls call it each other, like, to me, there's. It's sort of. it's, It's a little bit. It's the J word. It's like the N yeah, word of like, a Jewish girl. It, to circle. me, there's, there's, there's just no. Wor- I can't think of another word for it that just 
so clearly signals. I know exactly what you mean when you call Here's the, the punchline. The punchline is the kids under 30 don't. You're the last person to know the word jappy. I don't think teenagers know it. Oh, really? I think it's dead. That's good. Or they don't know what it stands for. Like it's been completely, it's a dead metaphor. It's been completely separated from what it once was. Well, meant. when I went to college and rebelled by dating a Catholic Republican, um, he, I said the word Jap and he was like, like a Japanese person. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like was, I was like horrified. I was like, you can't say that. And, was, and I was like, we are operating and like this is never going to work out. <laughs> All right, so it kind of sounds like I should really strike it from. So my... here's the thing: like we <laughs> will rush to defend with. you if you ever get dragged uh-huh. for it on Twitter, yeah, like uh-huh. I... which I think I will after this <laughs> airs. <laughs> it's okay, Mark's not on Twitter, so he actually won't defend you on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like I think you. I don't know. I feel like it's all about intention, and I think I'm I'm fine with it. But I do think it's like a weirdly thorny. It's the one thing Permitted. that really gets Jews going. You have a hechsher. It does. From, it's, from yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it's kosher. Ish. <laughs> Noreen Malone, thank you for being our Gentile of the Week. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Guys, you can read Noreen Malone at New York Magazine. Uh, you can listen to the Slate Double X Gabfest every other Thursday once you're done listening to this podcast. Just like flick over there. Um, it's a nice yeah. second podcast to have. Yeah. It's great, and we're so happy you're here with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. J. Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Browse and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. A very special mailbox this week. Three wonderful letters. Uh, first of all, hello, unorthodox. I am a joy. Jew Goy, Jewish dad, Russian mom. Having been born in Soviet Russia, any sort of outward display of Judaism was highly dangerous. Still, it's a little strange to me that there's this belief that Judaism can only be passed via the maternal side of the family. Jewish blood courses through my veins just like yours, albeit a bit diluted. Just because it came from my father's side, do I not get to be chosen? Do I not get to be part of the tribe? It feels silly when I find my connection in to the community. In Soviet Russia, Judaism chooses you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do the act of Smirnoff. You had to. Sorry, man. 
she continues, through the very base of my soul, I feel a connection and the joy I get whenever I learn a new Yiddish word. I am disturbed by the increasing displays of public anti-Semitism in the U.S. It hits me on a very personal level. The stereotypical Jewish familial relationships feel like the only way a family could possibly relate. I may not have gone to summer camp, but my kids sure will. The Judaic nation is here to stay. And through its many shapes and forms, it will never cease being a uniting community. I would love for you guys to discuss why kids born to non-Jewish mothers are not considered Jews. I would love for you to talk more about secular Judaism as it gets more and more prevalent in our culture. Thank you for the show. I haven't realized how much I miss Judaism in my life until I started listening. Verbrangen Jewish at heart, Natalie Huff. Natalie Huff. What, what Natalie can we Huff. say? Welcome. Welcome. We love you. I will say, if I may be theological for a moment, that I do think that, although I am not a Reformed Jew at heart in many ways, I do think that patrilineal descent is just fine. I, I just, like, if I'm not mistaken, it was, at least according to legend, it was because you knew who the mother was, but not who the father was, right? Well, now we can know. Now that we have 23 and Now that we have 23, now that we have myjewishheritage.com, which has done our our DNA. Now that um, we have AJ Jacobs, like, we can know for sure. It's like, not to mention that Torah is filled with people who never underwent a proper conversion. They just, you know, you've Ruth and Naomi, they just kind of traveled along. Like we really do, we can come up with another way for people to mark their membership besides, well, I'm sorry, your mother's 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 mother was not Jewish, therefore you're not. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I just, I think, I'm so sick of hearing people be like, I am I consider myself Jewish, I do everything Jewish, but like this law doesn't consider yeah. me. Like that to me is very exclusionary and not helpful. Like I don't know why we are not, we don't want everyone who wants to be Jewish. As, as, like, as the most, don't turn them away. As the most orthodox, unorthodox, uh, I, I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. <laughs> we even I, got Liel. Are wow. You, are you Jewish? Do you, do you care about this? Do you want right. to be on board? Are you in? Hey, yeah. Well, that's why I'm not so like freaked out about intermarriage. Like, I don't understand that panic because it's oh, no, like that. That I'm no, no, no. Because if about. you're a Jewish person and you're like, I'm marrying a non-Jewish person, we can get to this another time. I'm another sure we will. Time. But I want to raise my family. Like, who cares? Right. Well, right. See, I think the question. I do think that if you're marrying two Jews to each other or two people, the question is not like, what was your grandma? What was your? It's like, what kind of home are you going to create? Which is a question that goes beyond religion. Like, I, I also right. want to know: Have you talked about money? Have you talked about kids? Like, do, do is this a real marriage? And a real marriage. Couples do think about those. Have you questions. talked about wainscoting the living room? If you have some spare cash, if only Rabbi Sharon had told me and said to talk about. Have you talked about paying for movie tickets? You know, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of really important. <laughs> By the way, I saw this amazing device that someone created on Instagram, which is a fake pregnant belly with a hollow inside, which you could smack snacks. snacks, movie snacks. It's genius. I know what I'm disgusting. getting here for Hanukkah. So what's interesting is we sneaked into the movie theaters, but my parents didn't believe in sneaking in snacks. They well, felt like part of the experience was you pay for the $8 popcorn. You just pay for it. <laughs> That's I how like you offset how, that. like yeah. principle they are. They're so specific. It's so specific. I love that. Dear Stephanie, Mark, Liel, Alyssa, Shira, Julia, and Noah. Wow, this person got us all in. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. With the upcoming Festival of Light so soon, I'm in need of some assistance. I've been searching around for gifts that my loved and liked ones would like mostly females, so Harry's would come off as weird. And these goyish gift guides just aren't helping. Any suggestions where I can find a proper gift guide or what I should buy? Bryce, Bryce Lobel. All I'm going to say is Modern Tribe. They were a sponsor. I'm not just saying that. So there is a discount you can get. I forget yes, what it is. ModernTribe.com. I got this this uh, Nosh menorah from Modern Mensch, and it's like half a bagel, but it's a menorah. Like it's it's oh, it's cute. Awesome. It's like look, I'm I'm like very allergic to like kitsch Judaic. I hate it. But to me, I was like, I want a bagel menorah. It's actually smaller than I was expecting. Um, Homesick also has these candles. They have like a Hanukkah candle. They're kind of those are they're supposed to like smell like home. 
Um, I got the Jewish Christmas one, Depends which is supposed to smell like like Chinese. Chinese it just smells like like candy. Depends but, on your home, right? <laughs> yeah, but so I just thought that was cute. I mean, I think there are. I would say Modern Tribe. It's so hard. It's like you know what I don't want like the matzah toilet seat cover. I want that to be done with for like all of our lives. See that I kind of want. My of advice is going do. to be get everyone bottles of Slivovitz. Yeah, that's so, amazing. So liquor's always good. Yeah, just liquor, not just because it's a sponsor, but really PJ Library, free Jewish books, but also get them a puppy. Wait, you know what? they don't they don't know that they want a puppy until you deliver them right. a rescue puppy. I'm excited for that your daughters to, spend thousands to of take dollars that on. advice. Yeah. Dad, just, we got you a puppy. Just get them a puppy. Uh, final letter, and you'll know why. Got to end on this, dear unorthodox. I spent my Shabbat among native Yiddish-speaking Hasidim in Muncie, and they said mishmash. Wait, how do you know what the pronunciation was from well, the email? She's she spelled it with an A, so I'm guessing it's from Leora Eisenberg. Leora, I believe you said mishmash. Fake Jews. <laughs> uh, if you have mail for unorthodox, send it to uh, unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Our Jewish guest this week is the one and only Phyllis Chesler. She is a feminist author, psychologist, and speaker. You've probably read her books. You've probably seen them. We're so happy to have you with us, Phyllis. It's my pleasure to be with you. I love the tablet. Oh, we're so glad. And your son has written for us. I love him, too. <laughs> but who do you love more? <laughs> and she is uh, writing for us. Yes, you're writing for us as well. Now, which I is am. a great pleasure. And so what may we discuss on this day? So Phyllis, let's, let's begin since we're, we're here talking on a, on a sunny uh, New York Tuesday. And in just a few hours, the new school uh, is going to uh, uh, host a panel you've, you've written for us uh, about. Tell us, tell us what, what is going on in American academia, yeah, well, Phyllis? <clears throat> I got my PhD from the new school. As I say, I'd like to give it back, except the new school that I once knew is no more that it has descended into the depths of politically correct hell, so that the danger is this, inviting a grassroots group renting the space or a group of students, a gaggle of students inviting non-experts in, we've come to accept that. But for faculty to give the imprimatur to ruffians, goon squads, brown shirts who are not academics and not scholars and who engage in rank propaganda, this is dangerous. And this is what is happening at the new school tonight. Just to give context, this is for a panel on anti-Semitism, including such notable experts on the subject like Linda Sarsour and Rebecca Vilkomerson uh, of an organization called Jewish Voice for Peace, which has supported convicted terrorists and, and other uh, unsavory characters. So tell us, how did academia get this way? You've, you've been in this game. You've tracked the course. What happened? What happened is Edward Said's work on Orientalism and the post-colonial uh, groves of academe, the only sacred victims that began to gather speed in the American and European Academy in the 1980s, 1990s, and 21st century was the Arab Muslim. He is seen as the new uber victim, the sacred victim, and who is the persecutor, the uh, the cause of the world's troubles? That's Israel. L- and let me Jews. guess. It's the Jew. Yes. Did I get this right? Yes. I did. Israel and Jews. 
so what we see is the indoctrination, not merely of the coming generations, but of the current faculty. The academy has influenced the media, which in turn has influenced international human rights organizations, and they have done so with uh, the belief that this is academically objective. So it sounds like um, you probably, this is not a popular opinion, the, the one that you share. And you have an upcoming memoir called Politically Incorrect Feminist. What has it been like? You know, you've been involved, you've been such a part of the feminist movement. What is it like? How would, what would you diagnose the state of things today? Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> well, uh, faux feminism is afoot. Faux feminism? Faux, F-A-U-X. Faux-minism. Oh, feminism. So if you have a presumed women's march with, on the one hand, probably honorable grassroots civilian women marching, marching, wearing pussy hats, talk about sex objects, and wearing hijab as if hijab is a symbol of resistance to racism. If this is the women's march 2017, what are we looking at? Well, so... But but you come out of the feminist movement. I mean, you were you you were uh, one of the the founders of the Association for Women in Psychology and the National Women's Health Network. You were there in the late '60s, throughout the '70s. In 1982, uh, Letty Pogrebin wrote that piece for Ms. Magazine, anti-Semitism in the women's movement. And that was based on a panel that I did. I turned over the tapes to her. Uh, it was National Women's Studies Association in Stores, Connecticut. And I thought I will give my people, the feminists, one chance to understand that anti-Semitism is racism. And so I convened a panel. And actually, it had very mixed results because uh, women of color who were rising felt, oh, there, there go the white Jews stealing our thunder one more time. But it was a good panel. And based on that, Letty wrote her first article. People at Ms. Magazine at that time, behind Letty's back, said, come on, isn't she crazy? Isn't she paranoid? I said, no. She's telling the truth. But what's what's amazing here, fellas, is in that article, Letty just, you know, described women even i mean she has she quotes andrew dworkin saying i've begun to be more quiet at meetings than i should because i don't want to be singled out as the jew with the words i mean you what what's described in that article and i've heard blue greenberg talk about this as well is that really from the beginning of second wave feminism there was this tension where the jews kind of had to not be jewish so is it always about israel is that where the the, the wedge is well you see, the New School panel now is claiming that just because you're anti-Zionist, oh, that doesn't mean that you're anti-Jewish, when, of course, I was already writing this in 2001 and 2002, that that's precisely what it means in the 21st century, because Israel is now the whipping girl Jew of the world, just as Israel and the delegation was in Copenhagen treated that way, scapegoated for, for the ills of the entire world. Right, just because you don't believe Jews uh, alone among the nations uh, should have a right for you know national self-determination, that doesn't mean you hate Jews. No, it yeah. means that you believe that... Only Jews do not deserve a safe space on earth. Only Jews should be rightfully scattered among the nations with no arms and no land. So what is your prescription for a young Jewish feminist do we, do, who wants to be part of this, you know, this resurgence of, 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 of activity, you know, after the, Trump, after the Trump campaign and election, who want to be involved, but who may not be ready to sort of tackle, you know, to have a stance on, on all this stuff? I mean, do we not go to the marches? What do you say to, to younger, to young women? Well, no, the women who went on the march were innocent babes 
with their hearts in the right place, probably thinking about abortion rights or domestic violence issues or equal pay for equal work issues. But the leadership and the iconography of the march was Black Panther salutes, hands are, you know, raised up high. Uh, it was hijab, it was pussy hat. So in terms of feminism, I see some young women, of course, taking everything for granted and thinking that bad things can never happen to them. And I see some young women who have no idea of their feminist history, which has been the case generation, century after century. Feminist knowledge has disappeared. You mean pussy hats weren't the beginning of feminist history? (laughs) (laughs) That means from the 18th century on in in the West, in Europe and in America. When we came up, we didn't have a clue about our feminist foremothers and their battles and what it meant. And we couldn't even learn. We had to reinvent the wheel. So I see some young women who are really smart, who won't take uh, anything lying down, who have a better sense of their rights. And I'm hoping, you know, that they're going to keep up, keep on going, that they'll prevail. This is now in the hands of the future. It's in, now in the hands of younger folk. Inshallah. <laughs> Phyllis, thank you so much. Your next book is called Politically Incorrect Feminist. Um, and everyone can follow. How can everyone sort of follow along with your work? I have a website where I post my articles. It's very simple. Phyllis, P-H-Y-L-L-I-S, dash or hyphen, Chesler, C-H-E-S, com, And I have a new book just out now called Islamic Gender Apartheid, Exposing a Veiled War Against Women. Phyllis, thanks so much. Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you all very much. Feeding a flock near to the mountainside. Mazel Tov, Liel, do you have a Mazel Tov? I do. My Mazel Tov yes. is for the new school of social research, uh, an institution that rose to fame for taking in Jewish intellectuals fleeing Nazi persecution and which tonight ignoring the constant protests of its faculty, Jewish faculty members, Jewish students, Jewish donors, and the community at large, the ADL and everyone else, uh, will host a panel on anti-Semitism featuring Linda Sarsouran, Rebecca Vilkomerson from Jewish Voice for Peace, which is probably more of a how-to panel. And so Mazel Tov New School, you really got the Jewish thing down. That's that's your that's your Mazel Tov for oh, having yeah. the best sense of irony. Uh, absolutely. In, for being comedy writers. And, and for really, you know, for really showing us how little you care. Are you going to the panel? I will be outside protesting. We really? Yep. What's your sign say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't thought of that yet. He hadn't thought of that. That is yet. a very good question. Stephanie? We should outsource this to Facebook. I have an unorthodox Facebook group sourced Mazel Tov. Um, I joined like the chorus of Fada, like a hundred people um, Mazel Toving. Is that a word? Mazel Toving? It is now. Dominik Zakshevsky, who was born in Poland, was raised Catholic, found out he had Jewish heritage, and now just completed his conversion through Central Synagogue at 
and like posted a picture of himself at the West Side Mikvah. At, at, at the world's most fancy, the swankiest mikvah ever. Mikvah. And it's so funny because he's, he's not messing around. He's not messing around. <laughs> you look he's, at this photo, it's like, what hotel are you in? Swathed yeah, well, in I recognized, I recognized both robes. like the mosaic tiles and the two rabbis he was with because they were there when I went to the mikvah before my wedding. And like, they're they just like, you know, they're like the crew. And so we're really excited. For him. And, and the, the, it's just so nice. The messages are like, welcome back. Because, you know, like he found out he had Jewish heritage. And there are other people being like, I'm also a Polish Catholic converting. And so I feel like if we've done one thing, like just the idea that someone could have the, I don't know. It just, I never feel warm and fuzzy. And like, I feel so warm and fuzzy about this. I and he's too. great. Welcome. It, I, I love, I mean, Shalom. I love the sort of threads that have gotten going on the Facebook page. Like the people posting pictures of Bomba or yeah, empty, empty Bomba shelves from Trader Joe's. And now people talking about their conversion. It's just, it, it's just great. Um, I have two, These are the two core interests of our listeners, two. becoming Jewish and eating <laughs> and snacks. eating more. Right. Um, <laughs> so really same thing. Judaism and snack food, basically. Um, and I have a, a double mazel tov. You took my Dominic Zakchevsky one, but that's, as well, you should. I mean, that's that's a good one. Well, because I went on his Facebook to find out how to pronounce his name. That's so. true. I was <laughs> so uh, I got it. You got it. Um, I have two. The first is to uh, bimbomb.com, the website that I gleefully discovered recently, which has these amazing videos about the weekly Torah portion. Um, they are about to upload a new one. Um, they have a Hanukkah episode that's coming. Um, it's a new uh, Shaboom episode uh, from their Shaboom series. So um, they actually sent me a note saying if people want to check out Shaboom and they don't know it, they should start with the Passover. What's a Shaboom? It's it's this little like because um, where I come from a shaboom is a really different thing. Is a shabam than than what the, is that sexual crowd? It's shaboom. Sexual no, it's is... uh, it's probably terrorism related. What's a shaboom anyway? Is it like a waboom from the bachelor? They're saying if you want it, if you don't know shaboom, check out the Passover episode. It's like the Jewish Daniel Tiger. They said Ooh. so. Anyway, um, they have a Hanukkah episode coming. Gentiles come back. <laughs> Stuff like that. Because that would be pretty funny. <laughs> is Daniel Tiger like a, par- a kids thing? Daniel oh, Tiger's pbskids.org. Nice. Uh, anyway, that was a long-winded way of saying mazel tov to, to bimbom.com for keeping the content flowing, but also to Tablet's own Yair Rosenberg, yeah. who is engaged to Rachel Rosenthal, which means they're going to be the Rosenberg-Rosenthals, or maybe they'll so merge lovely. it into Bergenthal or the Rosenbergenthals. Rosenbergenthals. Uh, Should we do the tov, mazel tov, mazel tov, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope they do the chair dance. <laughs> <they're running. laughs> chair dance. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, that's going to be amazing. Nothing could make us happier. Our contributing producer, Julia Frakes, is in the studio today. Julia, do you, do you have a mazel tov? I do. Um, friend of the show and my actual best friend, uh, Max Davidowitz, is turning 29 on Friday, entering his last year of the 20s. And small worlds, uh, I went to high school with him and JCC camp and everything, but he's also uh, Shira Talishkin's cousin. Of course, of course he, he is. is. <laughs> of course he yes. is. Like, he has one year to get, like this is his last year to get on those 30 under 30 lists. So tell us, get <laughs> moving, Max. Precisely. Uh, I'm working on a, a 50 under 50 list. I want to be on a 50 under 50. 100 under 100. That's right. <laughs> Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Follow Stephanie on Instagram at sputnik. Are there post-op photos on Instagram? Or? No. No. Mostly just pictures of my cat. Join our Facebook group. Our show is produced by Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Toloshkin with help from Julia Frakes. Our artwork is by Esther Werdiger. Our show is edited by Noah Levinson. Our music is by Golem. Rabbinic supervision this week by Rabbi Sam Castell of Staten Island. 
If you think your rabbi should offer us rabbinic supervision, write to me at moppenheimer at tabletmag.com and give me her, his, or their name. Kosher Slaughtering is by Instagram studette Karen Nicoletti, a butcher and sausage maker who slaughtered that sausage into a matzo ball soup sausage, which is just beautiful to look at, even though as a vegetarian, I wouldn't eat it. We recorded Argo Studios, which is still sweating off its Thanksgiving weight, and we are proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom, friends.